know you know what that pitch is. What's what's that picture as so, we as we highlight this guy right here? Terry Crews painted that picture. That's that's his artwork. Terry Crews can paint now? No, way before. He was an artist, and that's how he made money in the offseason was doing uh, artwork, and that was his picture, his airbrush. Oh, yep. man. Well, I mean, what a way to start this introduction, highlighting Terry Crews of what he can and can't do, but we don't have Terry Crews here. <laughs> Teddy, take it away. Give him the proper introduction. So, Ken, I got a little special uh, – hopefully you can hear this. That's – I assume you know that more than anyone can. So – Today's guest is known for his incredible tackles in the National Football League and is a man hailing from the great state of Texas. He has played for the Phoenix Cardinals, yes, Triple Play Fantasy, you heard that right, and the Washington Redskins. This gentleman is not only a four-time Pro Bowl, NFL Pro Bowler, but is also a Washington Commander's Ring of Fame, Famer, which is limited to honoring Redskins greats. From the University of California, go Golden Bears, give it up for Mr. Kenneth Ray Harvey. Yeah. What's up, well, Ken? I, when, when you say Kenneth Ray Harvey, I expect to get hit with a broomstick or a belt or something. That's that's, Sir. The, that's, that's when your parents call you by the full name, that's given right. name. That's when you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank Ken, you Ken, appreciate you joining on. First off, how are you and your family doing? How's everything with the businesses? Well, I appreciate you asking. Every, everyone's doing well. Uh, you know, we're blessed. I, I, um, you look around the world, there's so much junk and drama and all that stuff. And so you wake up and you get a chance every day. You get a chance, a new opportunity to do something. I'm blessed. You know, I'm not getting bombed overhead. I got opportunities to work. My legs are still functioning, not, not as fast, but they're functioning. I'm good to go. Oh man. Well, I love to hear that. And Ken, look, we're going to build a little time machine and we're going to take it back to the early years. So you're raised in Austin, Texas, and I did some reading on your upbringing. I, I think most people assume athletes have had a good their entire life or for a good part of it. And you grew into your body early. And I think that changed the expectations people had for you. And I can't imagine how overwhelming that pressure can be. Look, I'm 5'5". Five five. It took me years to grow into this body, and I'm not growing anymore. But you dropped out of school for half a semester at your junior year. So my question Look, we know how your story ends in terms of your football career. But at high school, when you dropped out, did you not have people in your ear saying that you potentially had a future in football with the body that you had at a young age? Oh, yeah, you de I definitely did. Um, you know, a lot of people saw the potential. Uh, but a lot of times in life, it's about how you see yourself. And, and that moment of dropping out, I saw myself as a failure. And, uh, you know, I had some people express it as well. Uh, and sometimes you just, you know, you can't listen to what everyone says. You have to have a belief about yourself. And so the good thing, I'm not, you probably didn't know this, so I'm, I'm surprising you, but I have a book about my life uh, that's coming out in May. Uh, so oh, we're we're going to touch on that later. To, it leads up to, uh, uh, you know, me making it to the NFL. And this, you know, I, I just, yeah, thank God above, right, that um, at, at my lowest point, he gave me a vision of what I could be. And sometimes that's all we need is somebody to say, you can do something. You're worth something. You're on this earth for a reason. Don't know what that reason is, but you have a purpose. And now you just got to go and set about doing whatever that destiny is. And so uh, at that moment, things turned around. But, you know, like most things, 
you only see the end result, but it doesn't happen overnight. You got to work and sweat and do all that stuff. And I, you know, I, I did my little toll and it all worked out. Yeah. And, you know, I think all of us go through adversity at some point in life, whether it be professional or personal. And I think that really kind of shapes how you overcome those and, and what you deal with later in life. And I definitely want to touch on your your book later. Don't think that we left that as an important yeah. detail. But so as Teddy mentioned, you go and you play your college football at University of Cal. And I'll be honest, I'm very good at snooping around the Internet and I could not find your college stats like they don't really? have them on there. Yeah. But I mean, look, Cause, they cause must have been. They... I, I mean, this is I guess this before the Internet was what it is now. But look, they must have been very good as you were selected 12th overall by the Cardinals in the 1988 well, NFL draft. Real quick. Um, so 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 my, my it started off kind of going into Cal. From I went to a junior college first. Going into Cal, there was an outstanding inside linebacker that I knew all the scouts were going to look at him. And then me coming over, if they looked at him being an a, a inside linebacker, they had to look at me. You know, all the scouts would have to look at yeah. you know, the linebackers. And so it was, good, it was a good fit. Then I go and I play. Uh, the last the last couple of games of the season, we went to Japan. We played. It was called the Coca-Cola Bowl. But I was the most valuable defensive player there. Then I went okay. to the uh, Senior Bowl. I was the most valuable defensive player there. Then I went to the East-West Shrine game, and I was the most valuable defensive player there. So you're just so racking kind of up the hardware. Yeah, and then that year, everybody was looking for the next LT. And so the first player taken in the draft was a linebacker, and that, that normally doesn't happen. And so everybody was looking for the next big linebacker. So it was just kind of I was in place to, to, to go high because everybody was looking for that pass rusher. Funny thing, when I got to the Cardinals, they didn't want me to necessarily be a pass rusher. They thought I was I was small for my size, um, and they thought I was fast. So they were like, "Maybe you're a good third down cover guy." And I couldn't cover. I couldn't. You know, <laughs> I couldn't cover anybody. I couldn't catch a cold. I mean, it was you know I couldn't. And so I was I like, you know, every day in practice, I'm like, "Look, you know, let me pass rush against your best offensive lineman. Let me let me go against your best." And every day I would go out there with my purpose in mind to beat them. But not only beat them and destroy them, embarrass them, make them feel bad, look bad, so that they would know I was a pass rusher. And, and fortunately, it worked out. And not, you know, I talk all the stuff. I, I got beat a few times. You know, they beat me a few times, but I won a lot of those battles. And so they had to get some respect and know I was a pass rusher, and that it worked out. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I the internet did not mention of of your kind of accolades um you know prior to the nfl so i'm curious because i think i you know obviously we'll get into your pro career but the recruitment process right now is glamorized everything's on social media it's televised it's a bigger deal than it's ever been so i'm curious of what the recruitment process was was like for you coming from high school to college and then college to the pros so from from high school to college, you know, remember I dropped out. So my senior year, you know, I didn't play. No one was looking at me. You know, I was just a big kid with a big old fro, big eyes, you know, scary looking dude. But nobody wanted me to play football. Finished up school. Uh, I met a guy in the gym who told me about this junior college in Oakland, California. And it was me mm -hmm. and another another guy. And he's like, you know, they don't pay for anything but they're starting to look at players from other states and so you know if you guys want to go we'll give you a, we'll give you a chance 
but we'll make sure you know you don't you got to save up money get your own apartment all that stuff this is a junior college and this is our first time doing it go there we play have you know two two fairly good years uh and then i get cal cal and a few other schools michigan state you know a few other schools they took notice and they were like you know this is all that so I'm there and I have a choice of uh, going on these recruitment trips or, or maybe going to someplace right in my backyard. The things that, like I said, the way in my favor was that the Cal had the linebacker, so the scouts were looking at him. My girlfriend was in that area, so she's okay. not my wife. And she's still my wife, so that's good. And, uh, and, and that. so it all kind of worked out that Cal was a great location. And because me being a dropout in high school, what better way to show everybody that I'm not dumb than to go to one of the top schools in the country, right? And so, and so that was kind of like my give back at everybody. Then you go to the pros, and you get teams that say, you know, you didn't know if anybody was looking at you or not. You didn't know what what they had on paper. Uh, I went to the uh, to the combines, and 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 you know, these guys were all you know these are the big names these are names that i heard about and read about and all this stuff and i was kind of like everybody's like well who's this joker i look like a i look like a linebacker but who is this guy and you know it wasn't it wasn't people practice for the 40s and all that stuff i had to borrow somebody's uh tennis shoes uh, uh shoes to run in it was uh ken norton jr i borrowed his shoes to run oh, wow. 40 to do my time and so i i do my 40 it was a pretty good time i think it's like a four six uh it's pretty good time i had a really not bad, good, not good job i did all that stuff i bench pressed you know i was pretty strong back then so that kind of boosted me up then i go and and i think one team I, the new york giants i had talked to a bill parcells and he was like uh yeah you know you're too small to be one of our linebackers uh we'll probably use you as a third down cover guy because you, you know you're kind of small so i was six two about 225 I was pissed when he said that. I was like, you know what? Oh, that, that's a little bit extra motivation. You know, it was extra motivation. And so, you know, but once the draft happens, you have no choice. You just sit by the phone and wait. And I heard stories of guys having these massive parties and celebration and no one calling. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So I just, I was at a friend's house. My mom came up and uh, we just sat there by the phone. I get a call. And uh, it's Larry Wilson from the uh, Cardinals. He's like, Ken, uh, how would you like to be a Cardinal? I'm like, heck yeah. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, hold on a second. Then you see the draft going by. And you don't hear anything about your name. And so you're like, well, maybe maybe it's not going to happen. And, and then, it, then you hear him announce Ken Harvey, you know, the Cardinals take Ken Harvey. Some people clap. Some people are like, well, who is this guy? You know, Ooh. any champagne popping? No, no, no. Oh, okay. it, was just, it was just it was just a happy moment because for I me it was kind of it was it was it was it was like well one you know God when I was at my lowest in my mind when I heard God he said you have a destiny and you have a purpose and like most people when you're at your lowest you know you make these promises and I'm like God if you just give me you know just give me some place just make something happen I'll glorify your name I'll you know all this and 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 so it's kind of like man I made it. Um, I, I made it. And at that moment when they drafted me, my first thought was like, okay, now I got to prove to them that they got a bargain in getting me at the 12th pick. And that was my mindset, my goal. And so, uh, you know, I celebrated with my girlfriend, uh, you know, celebrated with my parents and all that stuff. But my mission was to prove to them that they got a bargain 
getting me in the 12th pick. So I love to hear that. And what I think is interesting is that's their first year of relocation. So they're previously the St. Yeah. Louis Cardinals. So you're the first pick of essentially a new chapter to the franchise. But the Cardinals were seven and eight the year prior. So it's not like there's an emphasis on you to be the savior the way that a franchise quarterback is when they're taking number one. Now you had mentioned you kind of felt that added pressure as you know, being the 12th pick to show why they got value, but being the first pick of a new kind of relocation, new chapter, did you feel any pressure from that? So I'm going to tell you a quick story. Hopefully I'm not taking up all your time, but these, you know, uh, radio hey, hey, Ken, this is, this is for you, man. I this, mean, we want to hear about your life. These are two, two quick stories. So one, uh, I had, you know, you get drafted, but you still have some time back in school before you go to training camp and all that stuff. So I had promised I had been working security uh, for clubs in, in, in San Francisco. I, I'm doing this boxing match and I'm security for this boxing match. Two boxers that fighting each other. All the crowds are here. It's Irish against a, a Mexican boxer, an Irish boxer. And the, the sides were split. You know, it, they had their fans here, the fans there. They didn't like the outcome. Everybody starts fighting against each other. I run down there because I'm like, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. I run down there in the middle of all of this stuff. My buddy comes along with me. So we're in the middle of people throwing chairs, fighting. Uh, you know, someone shoved me, threw me on the ground. I pop up or he actually pulled me up. We move away. Somebody just got stabbed right where I was at. You know, and this was after I got drafted. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. And, and so, you know, we're trying to break up all this stuff. And finally, this is crazy. San Francisco police ride squad comes in and they have to break everything up. And it's like my friends looking at me like, you big idiot. You know, what are you doing? You just got drafted. <laughs> it could have been over with. So that happened. Then uh, 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 I think like a week or so before I got to training camp, I was playing basketball, fell on my knee. My knee swole up. Uh, uh, it, it swole up enough uh, where the fluid was, I think, pressing against the nerve. Jeez. So from my leg down, from the leg, from the knee down, I couldn't feel anything. My leg was rolling. My ankles were rolling because it was all numb. But I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want them to know that I was playing basketball. So I'm hopping on one leg yeah. and I'm trying to play but I can't feel anything because it's all numb. And so I go for like a week and I'm, you know, I'm kind of so, so, but I'm pushing through it. Cause you know, my mind is strong. I'm pushing through it. And then finally after the week, I was like, man, I must've got hit in the knee. Uh, can you drain this? And then they drain the fluid and, and you know, no one never knew that, that it was because of that. So I mean, those it, two moments, I mean, my whole career could have been over with. And fortunately it wasn't. We kept the secret. We kept the secret for 34 years. It's the first yeah. time that you're telling anyone, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there you go. Uh, oh man, you know, it's little things that you don't know, but uh, you know, my desire back then was just to. It was like to be mentally strong. My goal was to, you know, here was a kid who, who was at the lowest point of his life, and then you're here, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, wow, I am here. You know, I got to show everybody that I deserve to be here. And I had a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to prove to the world I belong here. So that was kind of my attitude. You know, there were some things that if I could go back and do over again, I would. But, uh, you know, my goal was to show everybody that I was a good player. Yeah. And I mean, you show them right away because your rookie season, you make an instant impact. Six sacks, a safety, which was the lone scoring play of your career. I, I did that much research. You one up yourself next season with seven sacks, 120 tackles, 
I mean, third year, we're just going on this uptrend, continuing 10 sacks, nine tackles for loss, fumble recovery, um, and similar seasons, the final three with Cardinals, 24 and a half sacks, 182 tackles, four fumble recoveries, and only missing six games in your six-year career. Well, I need to take a sip of water after well, that, but I know I know Teddy wants to and, kind of and, touch on your time. And can I I want to ask a question on this because I always find it interesting. Some players have a breakout season and go downhill. Um, but as Eric mentioned, you know, in those first three years with the Cardinals, um, your sack total goes up every year. Um, and obviously, you know, from you told us about grinding harder against, you know, the O-line, was this a result of you know, a change to your work ethic or that work ethic you already had, or was it kind of more of a result of getting used to the National Football League? So, so some of it was getting used to the National Football League. There was a, there was a moment where they were, you know, they were like, this guy can pass rush, but he can't cover, you know, against the tight end. And the way the defense was set up, I was over the tight end all the time. And I was getting destroyed off of the ball every single play. And there's a guy named Anthony Bell. He's another linebacker. And so, you know, he told me to – it was something simple. He's like, Ken, I'm looking at the way your feet are, and your feet are pointed out this way. Adjust your feet like this, and it'll make a big difference. And that little bit of advice saved my career. I mean, I still credit him today with him saving my career. So that happened. Then as, as you see the uptake, you know, part of – during those uptake years, you know, I tore my ACL. Um, and so I had to recover from the ACL. Then I tore my rotator cuff in my shoulder as well. And so it's, it's a torn rotator cuff and an ACL. No, back then it was career and injuries. But once again, it was that, you know, that drive to keep going because it was the work ethic of being dropped, uh, being a dropout. A lot of times, you know, sound like a motivational speech, but a lot of times the drama that we go through, if we look at it as drama, we look at it as pain, it, and, it, and it could be and understand that it is, but also also understand that you can take that and turn it into something good. God can take that and turn it into something good. So when I used to train at night by myself, saying to myself, I'm going to be the best, got to be the best, have to be the best. Every time, in, every time that I play, even though I messed up on a lot of plays and didn't necessarily know what I was doing, my mindset was like, keep going, Ken. Don't ever stop. Don't ever give up. You don't want to get back to where you were at. Keep going. And that's the way I tried to play was just to keep going. One of the greatest compliments that I got to me, at least, was I made it to the um, to the Pro Bowl, and there was a guy I don't remember the guy, and he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, I I, I, can't, I can't remember your name, but you're the guy that that never gives up. You're the guy that never stops. Oh my gosh! And when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, I am that guy. You may not know my name, but you're gonna know my motor doesn't stop, and that was the greatest compliment. I probably could have ever gotten, gotten, especially in the Pro Bowl. Oh, man. I love here. I, you know, my heart dropped a little bit just because I kind of felt that personally. And I can, I know we've known each other 20 minutes, but not stopping and grinding is what your career did. Because next stop, it's our hometown, DC, where you really shine. Your first season there, you made the front office look smart. Yeah. Thir- 13 and a half sacks, a second team all pro, which was your first of two, of two consecutive and a Pro Bowl appearance, the first of four consecutive. So, you know, the front office really likes people like you because you buy them a little bit more time with their job when they're like, oh, yeah, Ken, that was a good signing. Okay, okay, front office, we'll give you a little bit more time. It was funny. Well, you know what, that first year I came here, I will credit that. There were a lot of 
they were getting rid of a lot of the old players they were super bowl winning players but they were older so they were getting rid of and everybody's trying to make this new team uh but i had the privilege of playing with guys like monty coleman uh tim johnson you know some of the guys who have been around and they really helped me along the way you know so so it was it was that year where jim lachey in practice you know you go up against the best he's throwing you to the ground but now he's telling you why he was able to beat you and and so now you're learning in practice from going against the best and i think that's that's a lot of times that uh people discredit second and third team players because you know you may think they may be second or third team players but if your second and third team players are top caliber type guys they only make you better and then when you go into a game you become that much of a better player and so you know, these were guys that were beating me down in practice, but also it wasn't just to show face. It was also trying to teach me because they knew in the game, you're going to go up against somebody just like that. And, and you had to work with it. And then you had the motivation from, like I said, guys like uh, Monty Coleman and Tim Johnson, you know, after I come off the sideline, Ken, you're doing great, but you could do this and that. And they would tell me stuff and I'm like, okay, I got it. And so, uh, and so I had a pretty good time, good career that first year. And then D.C. has that market. You know, we had back then we had all these fans just die hard, um, you know, crazy fans. And and I was privileged to be a part of a dynasty, that tradition that, that was there. People were expecting some great things. So I felt like it would, it would be wrong of me to let them down by performing halfway when I got here. So, so Ken, speaking of another dynasty, um, obviously, you know, you grew up in Austin, Texas. Um, I, I've got to ask a question. Did you grow up a Dallas Cowboys fan and then go into this new dynasty, obviously the former uh, Washington Redskins? What was your reaction on going there? So, yes, to your question, Cowboys fan. I mean, you had to be right. Like, so people are diehard here and I've heard stories and different things like that. But Texas, you know, you diehard Cowboys. We didn't eat some nights because my mom would be so mad because the Cowboys lost. We wouldn't have a meal, right? There's diehard. There's there's blood. So, you know, I'm playing and I come here to the to the Washington team. My parents are like, yeah, whatever. We don't know. We don't know who to cheer, cheer for. You know, you're a boy, but we still love, the, still love the Cowboys. And so, uh, and so, you know, the biggest thrill was like to have a good game against the Cowboys. So. You know, my parents would say, "Well, that was my boy who, you know, did this to our Cowboys and all that stuff." And so that it was all it was it was it was cool. It was fun that I played well enough, even though we may have lost sometimes against the Cowboys. I played well enough for my parents to be able to go to work and say with a little bragging rights, saying, "Well, my boy, you know, we may have lost, they may have lost, but he kicked, you know, he, he took care of business." And I just this year got a picture with uh, Tutal Jones. From the wow. Cowboys, so that was like my idol growing up. I wanted to be like Two Tall Jones, so I had you know I'm standing next to him. It was uh, at Super Bowl party, and I'm like a little kid. I'm like, man, you, you know, you, 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 you were, you were the guy that I wanted to be like. You know, when I was playing, I'm sure you heard it a thousand times because people say that to me. But I'm just like I'm like a kid in a candy store. So I always try to take that feeling of the way I feel towards him to the way hopefully I treat people. I mean, I. You know, there's there are moments I've, I've probably been a butthole or whatever, but I hopefully treat most people with respect because I've been on the other side and I've had players I've always looked up to treat me well, and I've had some that kind of brush me like I'm nothing and kind of like uh, it's a sour taste in your mouth. So, 
No, I mean, hey, look, if anybody thinks that you're a butthole, then, you know, we're going to we're going to go and correct that. We, well, we want... No, you, you can talk to my wife. That'll be our next follow up interview. We want 100 yeah, right? percent positive sentiment with Ken Harvey. But I mean, Ken, you talked about that your parents would have some bragging rights. So you're putting up stats. And I mean, rightfully so. Following season in 95, you continue to shine seven and a half sacks, the second all pro and of course, a pro bowl. Following season in 96, you, of course, the sack specialist, again, striking with nine, also get an interception. 96, ho-hum. Another nine-and-a-half sack in Pro Bowl appearance, just like it's nothing. Your final season in 98, unfortunately, you weren't as healthy. You were only playing 11 games, which, you know, it happens as you get older playing. And you decided to retire into this season. And I want to reflect on the positive because for your career, you set a Washington record for most sacks in a season by a linebacker, which broke. Monty Coleman's record set in 1984. Over the course of that time, you accumulated 89 sacks, 828 total tackles, two all pros, four pro bowls, not too shabby. Had a good career. I mean, you know, look, if you enjoy something, um, it's it's fun, right? And I, I I played, I was around a lot of good players. You know, that that the one thing that a lot of players say they miss is the chemistry that 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 you know, your, your partnership. And I remember guys that would sacrifice not getting any fame so that I could shine and do my thing, you know, and put themselves in a position to take on two blockers so that I could be free. That's a teamwork. That's, that's, you know, believing and trusting each other. And so after the game is over with, that's probably what you miss the most because there's a special bond of everybody working together for that same goal, uh, for that same, you know, desire to try to make it to the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. My big regret, never made it to the playoffs, so therefore never made it to the Super Bowl. But, you know, I had a great career. Um, if, if I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't retire. I had a great contract, and I should have <laughs> retired. Uh, but, but, but given that said and done, you know, it comes to an end, and, um, you know, you move on. Hopefully you move on. I, I had a hard time moving on. Um, but, you know, you try to find out what are your gifts, what do you believe in. And and for me, I probably I had to revisit that same little kid that had dropped out of school. I had to revisit that kid years later to find out what my worth was. Now, Ken, I speaking of gifts and then after the career and then going from a successful career to another successful career. Uh, here's a quote that I think I thought you may relate to. The end of one chapter is just the beginning of another. Read on. The best part is yet to come. And the reason I thought that quote is related to kind of you is due to the book part, as you're now a successful uh, children's book author. Um, and as you mentioned, um, Terry Crews painted it, but now he's actually, um, you know, a co-author with you. So long story short, what got you into being an author? And there it is. There's a Terry Crews book with him. So, so, I, I, so I'm getting that after this, by the way. So, uh, so, 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 I, I'm gonna give you. I probably talk long-winded, but I'm gonna give you a couple of stories on this. I'll give you the reason why I wrote the book. But I, I, I've written some thriller suspense novels as well. Um, I, you know, I get excited about that as right as well. Um, just because you can take a blank sheet of paper and create a world, and you can also see how that blank sheet of paper, that world can affect someone's life. You know, when, when you were a little kid and maybe you had a teacher or your parents read to you and that story came alive in your mind and it was like the greatest feeling in the world. 
and it, it opens up your mind to start doing so much. That's a cool part of it. The reason I, I wrote this first book, it was these are these are these are my two boys. And when they were uh six and four. And so they uh I wrote this book because one of them came home and he was talking about Michael Jackson, how did you get your skin so light and all that stuff? And I'm like, why do you want to know that? And he's like, there's a contest on TV. And if you win, you get to be one of the characters. But there were no brown characters. And it just hit me how through, the, through a kid's eyes, uh, through kids' eyes, you can see things that, you know, we just kind of brush past as parents. Mm -hmm. But for him, he never saw himself as a character. He never saw himself as anything. So I went and, 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 and Terry was my teammate at the time. And so we did. You know, I told him the story and he did the artwork. And so we, we made up uh, this, you know, this story and the Washington Post printed up a bunch of books. We gave them away to the kids in, in D.C. And then you can see their eyes light up. And to me, that was kind of like, that's the beginning. You know, that's the start. And so from that, I started writing books. Uh, then I started trying to see if I could try my hand at a thriller suspense novel. So I did that. Then I did a, a thriller suspense novel in the voice of a woman to see if I could do that. And then. Uh, you know, now it's just it's just a venture of trying things. And then I wasn't I wasn't doing this like I was prepared for it. But um, I wanted also to um, to to do a book for my boys when they were six and four. And then I did this one for them when they were 12 and I think four, 12 and 14. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was to do a book when they were six and eight and six, 12 and 14. And then a book for them when they're adults so that they can say, look. You know, when they give it to their kids, they can say, Grandpa did this for us, you know, and, and, and know that I did these books for them. So, so anyhow, that's uh, that's kind of my career in writing. It's just it's just uh, it's amazing to be able to create a world or get a message across or something off of a blank sheet of paper. And not that I'm a good writer. I, I, I think I think I have great ideas. And I write them out. I mean, all these are, are my my writings, but there's some bald-headed editors that are pulling their hair out trying to edit this. And uh, and some of my books that I put out, because some of, a lot of them were, were, were uh, self-published, the editing is not as good. And I realize, you know, you gotta you gotta take note of it and pride in your own work, and you can't let fear conquer it. So a lot of times I would write, and because I was so fearful that I didn't know. You know, you know, maybe this wasn't a right sentence structure or this should have been in that section. I would go by whatever was thrown out to me. And you gotta you gotta put more effort into something that you believe in. And and that and that's a lesson that it's taken it took me a lot of time, long term, lot long time to understand that. Even so much so I just rewrote a uh uh the book that I said I wrote in the voice of a woman. I just rewrote it. Because I wanted to know to myself whether it sells one or, or you know, hundred books, I want to know to myself I did the best I could with it, and you know, so I put it out again. It's just online, but I just wanted I just want to make sure I completed it and did it well. And, and so, you know, be confident in your work. If someone gives you corrections, that's okay. I mean, you have your vision, and you don't always have to listen to people, but you have to know enough to know the very foundation, right? And so. Uh, find people that you believe in you, that trust in you, that don't want any, anything from it other than to see you be the best that you can be. And, and that's you know, my little sermon. Right yeah. And, and you know what? I think personally, the message is more important than the structure of the organization. Like, can you read something 
and take away from it or, or really have it be an impact. And I mean, Ken, look, let's not sell yourself short. Yes, you're an author. You're an NFL player. You're an actor. You're an artist. You do public speaking. You were a former president of the Washington Alumni Association. That's many things. You probably have the most roles of anybody I've ever met before. I've so done a lot. Cer- you certainly keep yourself busy, my friend. So I've done a lot. I've, I've, I've been fortunate. Like I've got to, I've got a chance to do a zero gravity flight. You know, you yeah. go on the bottom of a plane. The a plane. Space adventures. Yep, I've done all that stuff. I've met some super, super great people. I've met the president. I'm, I'm a co-captain of a congressional football game. We got about 30 Congress members playing flag football against the Capitol Hill police. And I'm the coach of the Congress members. So I get to slap them and yell at them and <laughs> do what a lot of the public wish they could do. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've been blessed in all the things that I've done. And then I've, I got a wife who still loves me after 30 some years. I got kids who hopefully respect me. And and so, you know, I have nothing really to complain about. I mean, there are things I, w- I would change and would, would want to do more, but uh, I have nothing to complain about. I'm, I'm the uh, executive director of a of a nonprofit now uh, called Touching Heart. It wasn't mine, but I'm, I'm the executive director. So we're trying to teach young people about compassion, about leadership. I'm partnering with a uh, uh, addiction treatment center uh, just because people sometimes, we, we all need second chances and we need not to be point the finger and always say you're the bad person. Maybe you just need a helping hand to be pointed in the right direction. I, you know, and I, I, I work with a wealth management company because I had a lot of money and lost a lot of money. But, you know, sometimes the negative is just an opportunity for you to grow and then maybe to be teach others. And so, you know, I, I can't look at that with regret. I just got to say, what did I learn from that lesson and how can I be better with it? So, yeah, I'm throwing out a lot of these jobs and things that I do, but but uh, I kind of see for me. Back then, when I made that promise of God, I'll glorify your name way back when, just I'll speak and I'll do all that stuff. I think right now, I've been through all these moments in my life so that I can speak and speak with authority on somebody. You have so much experience to share. There you go. that's, That's the best way. I mean, Ken, look, you probably don't have a boring day in your life. There's probably something new each day. And I gotta say, I'm a little bit jealous of that. <laughs> you know, I wish, man. I, I, my life is pretty boring for the most part, nah. but, uh, but you know what? It's, it's, I have stories to tell and those stories are relatable. Hopefully if I say it the right way and, and do it enough, it's relatable to people and that I can be that motivational speaker that speak, that person who speaks on a certain topic, but the people in the audience can say, yeah, that, oh yeah, that's me. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now what do I need to do? And I can say, well, this is what I've done to get from A to B. This is, these are the steps. And, you know, even that in talking to other people, I mean, you talk about Terry Crews, who I play with, and he's this big movie star. But what a lot of people don't know was that time when he was broke from football until, until establishing himself as an actor, he was in the library every day reading books, just tons of books on how to make himself better. And so when people think it's overnight, you know, education is is huge and it doesn't have to necessarily be school education, but we have access to so much knowledge. You can you can go through instead of you living 40 years of someone's life, you can get their life in, in you know, 200 pages. And mm-hmm. 
all of a sudden now you've experienced all the drama all the trials all the ups and downs but it's in you know it's only in a, in a month's worth of reading and you can experience that and that to me is is huge so now you know i'm i'm, I'm reading a lot more books i'm reading about the brain and, and about how habits are formed and how people can change habits because uh you know our life is a series of, of habits of, of our brain optimizing itself to take the shortest route to get the least resistance to do the easiest thing which can be good and it's a survival technique but it could also be bad in that we're becoming so addicted to the easy route that we're forgetting some of the basic things so motivational words from ken harvey a man that played football but that does not define him as he has so many things that he's ventured on ken we like to get our guests out of here with a little triple play rapid fire some this or that questions you game sure i guess awesome. i guess i guess so sure yeah yeah i'm a little awesome. nervous but i guess so yeah i know don't worry you don't have to be nervous at all but we do have to plug, plug our quick sponsor odds jam so for the sports betting market these twins game tomorrow um you know the twins for example are plus 180 on bet mgm they're plus 215 on fox bet could you ever imagine placing a bet plus 180 odds on bet MGM. If you knew you were getting plus 215 on Fox bet, it's absurd. Um, now, if you think these discrepancies in odds, like the difference even between plus 200 and plus 215 is small, then there is a massive, massive flaw. There you go. That's, that's a quick little thing from our sponsor odds right. jams for anyone in the sports betting market. Make sure you go to oddsjam.com. Use the referral code triple play for a trial. Make sure you maximize your winnings on here. So, Ken, like I said, we got a little triple play rapid fire, some this or that questions. You can take your time thinking if you want, but I promise they are not all football related. And I can guarantee you have not been asked some of these before. Okay, this is is my thinking pose and praying. So let's go. All right. Would you rather get 15 tackles in a game or two sacks, but those are your only tackles? Two sacks. Okay, I like it. Quality over quantity. Without a, I mean, I don't know if you want the reasons why, but uh, yeah. if you want, if them. you want, I mean, look, you get uh, for an offensive lineman, they can block you sixty plays, but you get one sack off of them. They look like the worst piece of junk ever. You look like a superstar. Give me a sack. Give me two sacks. Look, I'm walking around with an S on my chest. So yeah, <laughs> I love the, it. The all right. Would you rather no football in any capacity for a year watching, playing, even your your you know intramural league that you do, or no gym for six months? Oh, I, I have to do the gym. Um, so no football. I get I you know football. Hey, they gotta find a new coach, right? Yeah, but but give me the gym. You know, I mean I'm not that I work out all the time anymore, but man, that's that's my that's my release. You know, I, you get to I, out. I certainly understand. I mean, Teddy, I know Teddy's answer. Teddy can't go six days without the gym. So, no, <laughs> you know, it becomes a part of you. It's, it's, For it's sure. a damn moment. You got to veg out. All right. Intense pain for 10 minutes or dull pain for one day? Well, I've experienced dull pain for one year, for a lot of years. Uh, so, I mean, I could, I could deal with the dull pain. Intense pain, you know, I've had intense pain and, and, and 10 minutes can seem like 10 years. So I'd rather get the dull for, for a day. Smart man. What is your favorite thing to grill? I know you're a little bit of a grill master. <laughs> um, 
you know what i mean ribs i i so me and my wife we kind of combo it she makes the sauce okay and then i'll grill and we've had people that you know oh then you know my ribs are the best but afterwards they're all over the chin and all that stuff <laughs> that's how you know yeah we got it going on Dude, that isn't marriage in a nutshell making the sauce you're on the grill together happy people yep oh, it, it, it works man she's she can she can throw down uh and, and you know i don't I don't know if I can grill all. It's not that hard, but I like to think we do it together, and it's a it's a perfect uh, match. Perfect, perfect. I love it. Yeah. Would you rather give a ride to a stranger or hitch a ride? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'll 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 give a ride to a stranger. Uh, they have to sit in the front seat with me, and all bags in the back, and they have to be searched <laughs> before they jump in, but. They, they get a ride. But you know what? So here's here's a quick story. My time so a second contract in Arizona. I'm driving out. Mm-hmm. I'm driving to training camp. Run out of gas. Me and my agent. Run out of gas. I, I uh-huh. didn't have gas. So we're going up to a Flagstaff. I'm hitching like this with the thumb. So finally, I'm kind of like, he's like, he, he says, he's like, dude, man, I don't know if anybody's going to stop and pick big old you up. Maybe I should be the one. <laughs> and it's and, and a, and a, a lady stops and gives both of us a ride freaky i mean nothing happened I mean, it's all good but i wouldn't have stopped and picked me up so yeah i mean hey you you already you already hitched the rods so and now you're just on the other end of it i love it yeah it, it was it was it was good i made it to training camp and you know we're all good to go good story for the rest of your life would you rather have hot drinks or cold food hot drinks well okay, okay so wait Hot drinks with no food at all? No, so like you can only have one of the two. Like all of your food has to be cold, or all of your drinks have to be hot. Oh, um, all my drinks can be hot. I'm old. I like hot stuff now. Okay, I like it. You know, especially a little bit of coffee wakes you up in the morning. I'm with it. With, with no doubt, man. I'm yeah, hot. Okay, yeah. what's your favorite cereal? Uh, right now, it's uh, the Raisin Bran Crunch. That's the popular answer. Is that if they changed the recipe and I just don't know. So it's, it's, it's enough crunch and enough sweetness. Uh, and it's not, but, it, but you feel like you're eating healthy. You feel like you got enough fiber that's, and you got the raisins and all that's that. True. Stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, if, if your guests are as old as me, that's the popular thing because you feel like you're eating healthy, but you know, Still got a little sweetness to it. No, I love it. I'm, I'm, hey, look, enough people have said it where I'm going to give it another try. Give it a try. The cr- it got to be Raisin Bran Crunch. I, that's what everybody has said. Lions, said that too. Lions quarterback Tim Boyle told us that too. I think he was a Raisin Bran guy too. I mean, it's got to be NFL players. They, they have a cereal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Very funny. Yep. All right. We got a few left here. Okay. Would you rather wear subtly stained clothes or obviously wrinkled clothes? Oh, subtly subtly stained stained right yeah 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 subtly stained clothes i mean i would i rather i do it now so <laughs> it's not a big deal but doesn't it bother you if you know there's a stain and you're wearing it i guess at this point in your life you don't care i mean right? based off of your question it's subtle so that's know, true only, I, you're right only you'll know that it's kind of there you may know it's there and yeah i do that now so it's not that big a deal but wrinkles you can see wrinkles Okay. I, can't, I can't deal with wrinkles. Ken, I got to be honest. I feel a little guilty asking this one because you're one of the nicest guys I've ever spoken to, but this is a fighting question. Okay. Would you rather fight Mike Tyson once 
or you have to talk like him the rest of your life? Ooh, ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll get in the ring. I mean, if I, if I give me, give me a time, give me. You got, you got some training. We're not just throwing you cold turkey. Yeah, in. if I, if I, I got enough confidence in myself till I get hit that I, that if I could train, it'd be a, it'd be a fight for at least a minute. <laughs> I, I need this confidence. We. We just talked with uh, Lofa Tatupu this morning. He said, "No, no, I'll I'll, I'll talk like him. I don't want to get it." And and I love it. Like you're saying, I'll last a minute. Most people say I'll last one punch. I mean, look, I'm sure he. I've seen some of his punches, and he lays brothers out. I, but I, I, I think that uh, in my prime, I mean, you know, when we were talking, you got that. You got to have a certain cockiness about yourself, yes. and, and and I figured. If I could train, I was enough of an athlete that, you know, I could, I could at least take a couple of punches. And if I couldn't, I wouldn't remember anything anyhow. So there you Ken, go. And, and Ken, I'm going to add on to that. You were a scary guy back in the day, man. You were muscles everywhere. So I think you might have a chance, to be perfectly honest. I, I think so. You know, and I, I took a little karate back in the day as well. Uh, so, yeah. Hey, we're going to make the ESPN 42 to 1 part two. You're going to be the next Buster Douglas. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. All well, right. well, look, look, look. Offer me a hundred million dollars to go into a fight. I'm gonna jump in. We get it. We'll give you a good show. Hey, the GoFundMe is gonna start after we get off. Yeah. The, the last one here. Your birthday is May sixth. Mine is the nineteenth. Nice. Would you consider having a shared birthday party? Ooh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so. You know, I, I, you know, I would, but so, so what I'm trying to do with the nonprofit that I work with, mm-hmm. um, my birthday is May 6th. I turned 57. My number was 57 when I played with Washington. So I'm trying to do like a fundraiser for the nonprofit with the birthday party. Um, so that is nothing against you. I just want to, oh, I, I want to try to raise as much as I can. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on this kick of, Use the gift that you have. And that just, for me to have my birthday number to be the same number that I play with, it, it's only happened once. Hell so yeah. I'm knock it out. But oh, happy man. birthday to you, Taurus Bull. Hey, there we go. There yeah. we go. Ken, like really it. appreciate you joining us and, and you know, chopping it up. Um, you know, before we get you out of here, we want to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you'd like. Your book coming out in May. I know that you just talked about the the organist or the yeah. fundraiser, fundraiser you had for your birthday. Where people can find you on the socials, any of that good stuff. Okay, because I'm old and I don't remember all my socials. Um, but the, the the nonprofit is called Touching Heart. There's no S on the end of it. TouchingHeart.com. Uh, so you can find out about the nonprofit there. Uh, see, my birthday is May 6th. We don't. We're working on setting it all up, so that's coming. Um, I'm on Facebook. Excuse me, Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on instagram but i don't really go there so i I'm, if i don't get back to you take it don't take it personally uh let's see i got my new book coming out uh in may it's about my life that kind of the journey some of the stories and the mindset leading up to playing in the nfl i'm kind of proud of it it's my first non-fiction book that i've written and so uh yeah when you see it or hear about it coming out just read it because it you know it, it's a message it's not it's not me bragging on that I made it to the pros it's a message of, of hope that anything's possible and that even at your worst situation there could be a brighter tomorrow and you hear about all these suicides and all these things that are going on and I get it I was at my lowest point at one time 
but I also seen tomorrow, and tomorrow is a is a better day. So um, always a plan. Great, great message. And I'm gonna plug the socials for you. Twitter, he's at transition fifty seven. It's verified. Hasn't tweeted since twenty twenty, but if we can get him back on the Twitter machine <laughs> and Instagram, he's at Ken Harvey fifty seven, just like the number he has there. Thank you for looking out. Yeah, because I of wouldn't course. remember that. Of course, everybody that watches Triple Play, we appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you check out the YouTube channel for some other great interviews with guys like Ken. Make sure you give him a follow on the socials and check out some of the great work that he's doing on there.